I titled my message, what was tricky, it's called The Destructive D-Cousins. You'll get it in a while, once, you get, once we get started. But we're going to be taking a lot of the scriptures from Nehemiah, <clears throat> starting in chapter 4. But before we get there, I'll just give you a brief intro of Nehemiah. The exiles had returned from exile uh, to Jerusalem, and they rebuilt the temple, but they didn't rebuild the walls yet. They had been left go for 70 years. So they were still in disarray. And in, it says in my Bible, too, like on the footnotes, that walls represented power and protection and beauty. <clears throat> so we need, they needed the walls to protect the temple from attack and ensure that they could worship the Lord after they built the temple. And so they were still defenseless and vulnerable to attack without the walls being rebuilt. So God had placed a uh, desire and a vision in Nehemiah's uh, heart to rebuild the wall, so he got permission from the king of Persia to go and rebuild the wall. He got favor from the king, so he came back to see what was going on in his own, to see himself. And it really touched his heart, so it made him weep, actually, when he saw how bad the disrepair was in the wall. So Nehemiah faces, in this, we're going to read through all the things that can be destructive to our walk. And he faced many of them. So when we look at the scriptures, you'll see that he faces opposition both from within and without. Not just from without, but within. And as we read here, we'll see some of the tactics used by <clears throat> the enemy to prevent his vision to build the wall. So starting in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I'll read. When Sanballat, I can't see if that's right, Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became very angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, <clears throat> what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish it in a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned up as they are? Tobiah the Amorite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing into, up onto it would break it down, their wall of stones. <clears throat> Hear us. Oh, I'm sorry. That was two. One, two, five. Uh, let's just go right into 6 through 9 and 8 through, I'm sorry, 6 through 8. I want to leave that one go. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it had reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against them. So here we see the first D, couple Ds. And you're going to see, this, is, this just came to, when I was thinking of all the things that come against us, they all started with a D. So we're just going to tie these in and you'll see. The first part we looked at, they were being discouraged. 
They said they were ridiculing them. What are they doing? They can't do that in a day. Even a fox is going to jump on that wall and fall. They're going to fall down. So <clears throat> when we start a, something that God gives us to do or we have a, a plan for our life, we want to do what we, God calls us to do or just to live a life worthy of the sacrifice, I call it. It comes to us a lot of times discouragement. Discouragement is one of the things that always is attacking us all the time. It can come from other people. It can come from our own inside ourselves. And sometimes we think a task is too big. We can't do it. And then sometimes, like Nehemiah he, uh, and the people, it says they, with all their heart they were building. But then when trouble starts stirring up and people start plotting against you, and maybe it's even in your own family. Maybe it's in your own church. Maybe it's in your own community, in the nation. We see it right now. But like there's a lot of things that could cause discouragement when you look at it. And if you look at things in the wrong perspective <clears throat> and only see the enormity of something, it looks too big, then we're going to get into discouragement. The next thing in what we read in verses 6 through 8, it says, they were all plotting together to fight against them and stir up trouble. There's that distraction. Well, we're going to keep them from building the wall so we can just distract them by causing all these little problems here, there, everywhere, you know. And we can, cause, we can see that happening in all kinds of things in our culture right now. Stirring up trouble. There's trouble everywhere. Every time you look at something negative, it's not good. So we start thinking about these things all the time. Instead of focusing on what God is doing, we're focusing on all the negative things that are happening. And we start thinking about all the negative things that are happening. We stop doing all the good things we should be doing. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's read on from verses 10 and 11. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we're going to be right there among them, and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. So there's that plotting against, again, trying to stir up trouble, trying to cause fights, trying to come against them and try to even sneak in and attack them and kill them, be amongst them even. I just noticed that. He said, we will be right there among them. Sometimes our closest people around us can be used to be a distraction. Sometimes they're going to be the ones that are going to cause doubt. Because now they're saying, there's just too much trouble here. We can't rebuild this. Look at it. You've got to wade through the stones and the rubble to even start. Where do you start? Did you ever have a project where you looked at it and you said, I don't even know where to start. It's just too big. How many of you are like me sometimes? Like, I'll do it another day. <laughs> Instead of starting it now, it's like, oh, I'll do that another day when I have more energy. <laughs> so, and sometimes we do that, but I think it's good to redirect ourselves back to like, okay, now it's time to get back to work. Okay, because there's a lot of Ds. We got, so far, we've got some discouragement going on. We've got distractions. Now we've got some doubt, and 
Now we go to chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. <clears throat> then the fifth time, Sambalat set his aid to me with the same message, message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. That's the proclamation you're going to make. So now this report is getting back to the king. So let us come meet together. Uh, I said nine, yes. So I sent him my reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making this up out of your head. I love that statement. You're just making this stuff up out of your head. I call it fake news. Fake news. <laughs> uh, so when they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. So there we go again with that doubt. And now we have deception. Well, let's use some deception. Make some stuff up. Make it really looking bad. <clears throat> Did you ever have that happen to you when you're really trying to do what's right and then people are making up and twisting things about you that's not really true and it's like you're, you're not even there to defend yourself and say, no, that's not what's happening. Well, they're just doing that to make a, a name for themselves or look good, you know, some of those kind of things. I'm just trying to relate this to our normal everyday life. You can take it as however. <laughs> but it's true, you know. We have discouragement, distraction. Things are always going to distract us no matter what. It could be a simple thing that is good that's going to distract us from something that we should be doing or how we should be thinking. Our mind can play so many games on our own self. Like, I don't like to be... None of us not, don't want to be not liked. Like, we want everyone to get along. We want everyone to like us. We want everyone to agree with what we think. But not always is that always true. So we can play, have mind games in our own heads that can distract us to actually standing up for even what is right. Then we have disinformation, the same thing. It's the fake thing that wasn't true. This, you're just trying to make it up. But see, he had the ability to stand up and say, that's not true, you're just making it up. It's not true, so whatever. Um, so now this part, I, this is part one. I know I'm going through all the negatives because these are all the, the things that are going to, that are more destructive and hinder us. So part two is next week because we're going to come back and redo some of this. So... <clears throat> Um, now we have in Jude, we'll go to Jude 17 through 19. Okay. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. 
there's going to be a lot of people mocking, scoffing. Yeah, right, you Christians. They don't have the spirit, so they don't understand what we have. Unfortunately, they're the ones that are at loss. But we're going to have to face that and persevere through it. Because we know if we stand on the solid foundation that we have in Christ, we're going to be able to handle that. But sometimes if you're not strong enough in your faith, you're not grounded, you're going to be sort of bowing to the demands of everyone else that's going to throw these attacks at you. So he already warned us. (coughs) And so, but it follows with build yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the spirit. That's what's important. And of course, we all know the uh, scripture that says in Matthew 12, 25, it says, a house divided against itself will fall. It cannot stand. That division is always going to be something that's going to tear apart a strong army or a strong stance. And we can't let things divide us by opinions. We can't let things divide us about where we stand politically, where we stand about how we raise our kids. We can't, all these little things you don't think about. Even on <clears throat> where we go to church or what denomination, if we're in the body of Christ, we don't want divisions among us. That's what the enemy loves to do, to cause division. Whether it's just uh, rumors, whether it's just differences of opinions, or whatever. But we also have to watch, too, about disinformation. If we go back to the last, we said there's discouragement, distraction, doubt, deception, disinformation, which is false teaching. And believe me, there's a lot of, I didn't think about this, but I've been hearing different things in different other churches, not here, but I'm just saying all throughout the world, they're teaching so much wrong teaching that is not biblical at all. We've got to really be careful with that. That disinformation and deception leads people. And sometimes people will say, well, we've got to love everyone. We can love people right to hell. That's how I feel. And it's true. We can love them. We've got to be truthful. We can't mislead people, though, and, and let people teach things that are not biblical. We've got to stand on the word. Don't let me get started on now that, because that's a different thing. But anyway, let's see. Despair is number six. <clears throat> and despair leads to depression. Another D. Despair is a lack of or an absence of hope. It leads to depression. So if there's a lack of hope, do we not see that right now a lot in our world right now with the economy and things are just being very, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Things are unstable. So we don't want things to let us draw us into that despair because it can draw you right into that hole of depression. And depression is a very real thing. We can relate to that, people we know. It's very bad. But we can't let ourselves, let us step from that part of despair into that hole of depression. And it, I can't say that you can just do a magic wand or snap your fingers. It's truly being encouraged in the word of God and strengthened by him. We can allow negative thoughts 
the circumstances around us take center stage, which enforces the lack of faith and hopelessness. So if we allow things to take center stage, if all you do is scroll through Google or whatever or your Facebook and all the negative things and all the negative comments and all the fights and arguments and the debate, you can be sucked into that world of despair. But we have something better. We shouldn't let that come through that armor that we put on every day. So then we come to delays. Remember Daniel in chapter 10 where he prayed for 21 days and, and Michael the archangel, he came and said, or Gabriel was, uh, I, I was, I heard you the first time, but it took this long to get here because I had to fight the Prince of Persia and all this, and he had to have backup. So just because we don't have our prayers answered right away doesn't mean they're not coming. So sometimes delay can really be destructive because we can think that God doesn't care. Why is he letting it go on this long? How's come I'm not getting that answer now? I thought God was a God of answers and prayers. But we can't base it on timelines because God has a timing of his own. He knows when it's the exact right time for us. So don't let yourself get worked up and upset and, and, and get angry with God if something's not happening and, and you can't see it. Sometimes the prayers don't get answered until many years later. We might not even see some of the prayers we're praying right now be answered. And so, how do we respond in those delays? Do we get angry? Negative? Do we get angry with God? Do we start living our own way to think, well, whatever, this isn't working? So then we can say we have disregard is another D. Disregarding God's teaching and his word. Just putting it aside it's like it's not important. And that's a biggie because if we don't regard God's word as the absolute truth of what we need to base our life on, our whole faith on, then we are going to go into deception. We are going to fall into uh, disinformation and then doubt. So disregarding God's teaching as the absolute truth and the basis of everything. I heard a preacher say, I think it was, yeah, this the other week. He said, they did a study on a survey and they said, believe it or not, and this is among Christians, how many times do they open their Bible a year? Some of them were only once, twice a year. I was like, what? I'm thinking, why would it? Christmas and Easter, they come to church. But this should be something we all, this is our life. I mean, I, I know sometimes, I was guilty of like, oh, I'll wait a couple, I don't read it every, well, it's like something now I feel like it's an urgency that we need to really get into the word. We gotta get in there and see what God's saying to us because these are trying times and there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of wrong teaching, a lot of cultural changes, things that we need to stand, just like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, you know, not bowing down to the culture of that time. So we have, let's go again, we have discouragement, distraction, doubt, deception, disinformation, division, dissension, 
We've got despair, depression. We've got delays, disregard. And now we have discontentment. This was interesting. I thought it was pretty good. Because when I was looking up discontentment as a definition, um, it says, here we got two more Ds. Disappointment, dissatisfaction. We could add them in there too. It says, lack of satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation, a desire for more. We're never happy with, we want more. We're just not content. And here's what it said the root of dissatisfaction is. Is the lack of belief that God is who he says he is. So when we start doubting God for who he says he is, then we, de then we start to forget his faithfulness to us. We start doubting his provisions. So if we say we're not content, we're not happy, that's saying, God, you're not providing for me. God, you're not enough. You haven't given me... How about let's remember last week, yesterday, last month, last year, 10 years ago, how many things he's come, brought us through, how many things he's provided for us, how many times he's come through for something that we thought would never be able to happen. That's when we have to remember those things so we don't fall into discontentment. And then that leads to disobedience, the last D. <clears throat> when we fall into discontentment after depression, despair, and all that, it can lead us to disobedience. Very destructive because then we think that, well, I don't need God. I'll just do things my way. I know what's best for me. I got this covered. And then we find out what happens, because look what happened to Adam and Eve, that started the whole thing. So the disobedience, we look at Adam and Eve and how everything came from that. We may think that disobedience isn't that big of a deal, but eventually it causes a lot more than we bargained for. And I think it's interesting because I thought of this, like the last D is disobedience. And that leads to a cycling over of all the D's that we just talked about. I call them the cousins having a big reunion. Now, they're all getting together again. Let's start this flare up again. So, <clears throat> in closing, Nehemiah 2, 19 through 20. I will end on this last scripture. Ah, uh, it says, But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Amorite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this thing you are doing? They asked, Are you rebelling against the king? And he said, I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. It's not their doing what they were doing that's going to give them success. It's God that gives us success. When we acknowledge that God is the one who gives us the ability to do the things and in life, everyday things in life, and to accomplish what we're here for, and what we're doing is rebuilding. If you look at the parallels of them rebuilding the wall, it's a protection system. We need to have that wall of faith protecting ourselves. And by renouncing all these things, 
So next week's part two, where we do the cousin D's that help our faith. So we're not going to leave it with just the bad D's. We're going to go to the D's of helping us to be walking our walk. <clears throat> so today, more than ever, we need to recognize these tactics to tear down our wall of faith. And we need to build up our faith, relying on the Lord to stand against those oppositions and, and to persevere. So the D cousins, to help us, will be next week. Stay tuned. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. We know that we have to be on our guard at all times, but we know that you will give us success if we look to you for our strength, our healing, our comfort, our teaching, our desires. We thank you and we pray uh, that you will go with us, teach us, Holy Spirit, our, your ways, and continue to be with us and bless us as we leave this place. Protect us, be with our families, and encourage each other as we build each other up in our most holy of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.